Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to a few places. Uh, Luke chapter 14, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and finally uh, hold a spot there at Psalm 100. Um, but accounting, I know we've got some accountants in the house, right? Project managers, all those things. It's, it's important. It's, a, it's an important function, is it not? Uh, especially in the business world and our own lives, personal finances and all those things. It's, it's very important that we are, are good accountants, that we, we understand you know, what's incoming and what's outgoing and what's expected of us, what our obligations are, and, and all those things, so that we're able to meet obligations. Um, and in Luke chapter 14, verse 28, Jesus says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? We're talking about a process of accounting, a function of accounting. This is what it's going to cost. This is what I have. Do I have enough to complete the task or am I going to get caught in the middle and be found wanting? Am I going to be short? And in our minds, I don't, I don't know about you, but, but for me, maybe there's some of you whose minds are more meticulous and you, you have deeper thoughts than I do, but... For me, when it comes to counting the cost, we are such a consumer-driven society that when you begin to discuss costs with me, my mind immediately and most of the time singularly goes to the price tag. What am I going to have to pay you in order to retain your goods or services? That's, that's what we think about, like how, how, much, how much am I going to have to shell out in order to get the thing or the service that, that I need or would request from you? But I want to submit to you today that when we are looking on at life and we are counting the cost and we're taking estimates of life, especially in a spiritual sense, there is so much more to counting the cost of things than simply figuring out how much we're going to put out. If we're going to endeavor to count costs as we've been instructed to count costs, then we're going to have to be sure that we do it appropriately and efficiently and effectively. And we, when we begin to speak about counting costs, as I said, we, we think in such a, a singular fashion most of the time without fully accounting for the cost of everything. We always consider, as I said, we consider the expense. 
The cost of goods or services that might be required for a project, materials, labor, things that come with an invoice. We, we think about those things. And, and there, there's another cost associated, though, with how we make decisions in this life. And it's a term with which you may or may not be familiar today. Or maybe you just don't think about it. Maybe you've heard of it, but maybe you don't think about it. And the, the other cost that I want to submit to you this morning is opportunity loss. What is, you know, we always talk about what is the cost of doing a thing. You go to that car lot and you stand out there and you haggle and you carry on because the cost is not satisfactory if you do the thing. We go in the department store and we look for the sale because we want the most economical way to do the thing. But what about, what does it cost us at times when we don't do the thing? What are we missing out on? And an opportunity loss usually comes as has as a catalyst things like procrastination. It usually has to do with we put off until tomorrow what should have been done yesterday to the point that the opportunity evaporates and we no longer have that in front of us and we've lost. It was a cost. We didn't feel it quite the same way that we do the expense but when we lose opportunity it's a loss fear is often a culprit of loss there are a lot of things that you and i don't do because we're afraid and we stand paralyzed by fear and we let opportunities pass us by the holy spirit is behind us nudging the holy spirit is behind us prodding the voice of the lord is speaking and saying this is the way walk in it and we stand reluctant and trepid because of the fear that we face in our own hearts and our minds and we watch as opportunities go by and fade into the horizon When counting the cost, it's an important factor that we consider the loss of any potential gain. In other words, we need to consider sometimes what are we forfeiting. The hymn writer wrote it this way. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. That's that's an opportunity loss. If I had trusted Jesus... If I had sought the Lord, if I had sought first the kingdom of God, trusting that all these things would be added to me, if if I had done that, then I would have had the peace. It's an opportunity loss that's there. And often I believe that sometimes in our lives, these are the greatest costs that you and I incur as believers in our spiritual walk. I believe the greatest cost that you and I suffer in this life is the cost of knowing the will of God for our lives, knowing the call of the Lord, knowing the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and standing by and watching it pass. Are you with me so far? We'll, we'll look at situations in this life and say, you know, I, I'm not doing that because I know what it will cost me. I know what I have to pay. And I think we look at opportunity differently. But Isaiah gives us this principle in Isaiah 119, and he says, if you are willing and obedient, 
If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. I don't know about you, but I'm not here for the scraps. I'm not here for the leftovers. I'm not here to grapple through or get by. I'm here today believing God for abundance in my life. I'm here today believing God for the windows of heaven to open and blessing and favor and goodness to rain down in my life. I wish somebody would get excited about the goodness of God in this place today. I wish somebody was believing God for miracles. I wish somebody was believing in God for a move of the Holy Ghost I wish somebody was believing today the greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world and if you will walk with him no weapon formed against you is going to prosper that he is going to move for you and if he is for you who can be against you sometimes I believe we're not enjoying all the best that God has for our lives because we've we failed to factor in the cost of opportunity loss All we recognize is what we're going to have to do in order to be obedient. We, we look at things that we're going to have to sacrifice. We, we consider our convenience. And we say, well, I, I, I don't want to pursue that passionately because it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to impede my comfort. It's going to interrupt my conveniences. I don't want to, I can't go hard after God because I'd have to sacrifice my pride. I can't, I can't get into the peace of God because I'd have to let go of all of my grudges and my hurts of the past. So today, naturally, we're talking about the practice not the holiday of Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. And, and what a benefit and blessing it can be to our lives. And, and today I'd like to share with you something that can be a great gain in our lives. And I believe it's usually ushered into our lives through the practice of Thanksgiving. That's why I want to try to hem all these scriptures together today before we conclude. And... Thanksgiving, you know, it's, it's one of those aspects of Christianity that I believe we are so much more infatuated with and enamored by the traditions and the practices that we've built around it than we are with embracing the principle as an exercise of spiritual discipline. Did you get that? We... we, we, we we don't want anything to interrupt our, our long-held family traditions of what we do in the name of thanksgiving. But in the name of thanksgiving, we will gather around the table while we are gorging ourselves with more food than any one human being ought to eat in a 24-hour period and complain about everything everywhere and everybody now maybe you don't i'm just it's, it's just an assumption okay but I'm, I'm just saying just for illustration's sake if we're not careful we can be more in love with the traditions and the activities that we built around a holiday than we are with embracing a spiritual discipline as a lifestyle and in all honesty, we should probably give a lot more 
a lot more attention to the subject even in church life than we do the idea of thanksgiving and here's why I say that because we finally come now to first Timothy chapter 6 and Timothy is uh, Paul is writing here to his young protege Timothy and he's trying to impart some wisdom into his life and he's trying to say listen here's some here's some here's some principles to live by and he comes here to verse 6 and he says these words he says now godliness with contentment is great gain godliness with contentment is great gain how many of you want to be increased like you you just want to look on at your life and say you know what I got it good I'm blessed godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing in this world and it is certain that we can carry nothing out and having food and clothing with these we shall be content now I want to share this with you today because I want to make sure that we're not only adequately factoring the expenses of things but also that we're not missing out on the potential for great gain in our lives Paul is speaking to Timothy and he explains to him how that learning to be content is the potential for great gain, for great increase, for favor, for blessing. And he says, if you'll be content in God, in other words, in essence, what, what Paul's saying here is, Tim, if you'll love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, and mind, as you're instructed in God's word, and you learn to live life of, a life of contentedness, then you'll be way ahead of the game. You're going you're gonna to find that this is a great gain in your life. You'll be enriched. You'll be fulfilled. You'll be satisfied. You won't be stressed out all the time. You won't get caught up in, in the trap of keeping up with the status quo of your neighborhood, whether or not you can afford it. You won't stress yourself to pieces trying to keep up with the latest trends and fads. And you'll see that contentment is the potential for great gain. And don't forget to factor that in when you're making the calculations about doing life life and this is where I believe we often miscalculate the cost of doing life we we simply look at the face value of things what's it going to cost in dollars and cents right now what's it going to cost me in relationship capital right now and there are many times when we are in inviting things into our lives that are not prompted by our need but by discontent and we're failing to factor the cost of lost contentment that would serve to us as great gain Newton's third law of physics states that for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction okay we we are I believe in a space and time when when this is true what's true in the physical is also true for us in the spiritual and I believe as it pertains to the motion that we call life if contentment serves as great gain then it's only reasonable to believe that the equal and opposite reaction of that is that to be discontented in our lives is a great loss It's a great loss 
And, and let's just, let's admit it. You may, you may think to yourself, well, I, I don't know if I'd explain myself as a, a contented person, but I don't know that I'm a discontented person. Well, as a general rule, people usually tend to one extreme or the other, right? Like we are, we are all the way to the left or we are all the way to the right. We are, we are all the way conservative. We are all the way liberal. It just, it's back and forth. And, and we just, the pendulum swings wide and it swings hard. And it's, nobody's moderate. Nobody's in the middle. We got to pick a side. And the same's true for us in our, in our personal lives. We're, we're not that static of individuals. We're, we're usually either really content people or we're really dissatisfied and disgruntled and discontented people. And we're not usually found static somewhere in the middle. It's, it's, not, it's usually not the case that we're either content or we're just melancholy. We're, we're usually either contented people or we're seriously discontent. And, and it, it doesn't stop much in the middle. And I believe that discontent opens the door to the enemy's thievery of God's blessings from our lives. When, when the word says that the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and destroy, you know, I, I think sometimes we just, we got a blind spot. We have blind spots in our spiritual walk. That's why it's so important that we live and walk reliant on the Holy Spirit for him to guide us and to show us things because we, we can, through things as simple as discontentment, open the door wide for the adversary to come in and rob. And he, he takes joy and he takes peace and he, he, takes, the, he takes the tranquility that, that we know in walking with Jesus. It's, it's all robbed, it's stolen. Our hope, it just, it, it all gets robbed from us because we open the door wide in one of our spiritual blind spots. And I believe we've lost something of significance when we cease to be content with the things with which God has blessed us. Now, as I'm talking about being content or discontent, I, I'm not suggesting to you that you just forfeit all ambitions of life. That, that is not what this is about, okay? Because some people hear this and they're like, oh, I can't do it. No, 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 no. The, the word says be fruitful and multiply, right? It's, it's not about, it's not about just, just giving up on life. This idea of being content, it's, it's not about not being industrious. It's not about not being prosperous. It's just about recognizing the blessing of God in your life. And there, you know what? I, there are people, I venture to say today, who are drowning today in the misery of yesterday's discontentment. They, they thought they wanted something so bad, they weren't satisfied with what they had, and now they've got something, they wish they didn't have it, because now that they've got it, they've got all the bills and baggage and everything that comes along with it. And whereas those who have learned to be content are able to sleep at night because they've learned the art of living in their means and being thankful for the things they've been blessed with and not yearning continually just to fill a void in their lives that they should be looking to God to fill. People who are contented have learned to be thankful to the Lord for his many blessings and those who are discontent are not so. 
And whereas contentment is great gain, discontentment is a great loss, and it manifests itself in many different ways. This loss manifests itself, loss of emotional and psychological well-being. We see the fruit of discontentment. It tears families apart as moms and dads can no longer bear the strain of the continual argument over, over bills and the constant assignment of blame. We see the cost of discontentment when people look in their mirrors and they're so discontented with God's creation in their lives that they can barely function in society. We see it manifest in a loss of peace, a loss of joy, a loss of sleep, a loss of relationship. And the only thing we gain from being discontent is strength and fatigue and heartache and headache and hassle and run around and beat down and all of this will eventually lead us to a loss of physical health and from that you may find your ability to get gain is diminished because you've lost your source of income and not and that only serves to compound all of the above do you know, according to, according to the USA Magazine, it's been estimated that between 70 and 90% of all visits to primary care physicians are for stress-related problems. And I ask you today, church, are you and I fully factoring the costs of doing life when we're making our life decisions? Have you thought fully about what a life of discontentment is going to cost you? Have you thought about what forfeiture of the blessing of God is truly going to cost in pursuit of something to try to satisfy something else that it was never intended to do? Have you thought fully about what a life of discontentment is costing you? Have you considered fully the great benefit, the great gain that, that you're forfeiting when you don't choose contentment in your life? Now, say, well, Pastor, I understand about contentment and discontentment and all these things, but what does this have to do with thanksgiving? Okay? Contentedness requires thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is reflection it's taking time to survey what God has done in our lives it's it's the act of accounting for all the blessings count your many blessings name them one by one count your many blessings see what God has done It's the practice of reflecting on the benefits of serving the Lord. The psalmist said, bless the Lord and all that is within me. Bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. Thanksgiving is contemplation. As human beings, we can be so thoughtless. It, it's possible for us to walk daily in a deluge of God's blessings and, and be so used to it that we don't even recognize it. You know, it's, it's, there's, and it's terrible. It, it's terrible. But sometimes it takes walking through the intensive care unit to be thankful for the good health that you and I enjoy. Sometimes it, it takes a stroll through the nursing facilities 
to be appreciative of the cognitive functions that you and I have and the, and the, and the abilities with our body, the mobility that we have. And sometimes it takes getting down to nothing to be thankful for what we do have. It's possible, as I said, for us to walk daily in a deluge of God's blessings and be so used to it that we don't even recognize it. But we need to reflect on it. And we need to contemplate the blessing of God. And then Thanksgiving is celebration. Pastor Trey, is all the time on social media. And he's, he's got these little videos up there. And he's saying, hey, you know what? Why do we raise our hands when we worship? Why do we clap when we praise God? Why do we praise with our voices? Why, why is that? And understand this, we're not trying to teach people how to worship. It's not as a, not as a mechanical function but as an explanation of the heart to say, this is why we do what you see doing, what you see being carried on in our services. This is why we raise our hands. This is why we clap. This is why we shout. This is why we celebrate. As a matter of fact, scripture prescribes for us that celebration is an apt response to God's blessing and favor in our lives. Matter of fact, I want to invite you to stand all over this place today because how many of you are just comfortable just raising your hands and praising the Lord in church? Amen. Amen. I feel for the rest of you right now, but we're going we're gonna to get some class participation going on here, okay? Thanksgiving is celebration. The psalmist said, Psalm 100, beginning in verse 1, okay? And this is, this is what we'll call responsive reading. You ever, you ever been in a responsive reading situation where I read a line and you read a line and then I read a line? No, none of that. This is, this is not that, okay? This is, if you're willing and obedient, <laughs> you'll eat the good of the land. So... Let's just move responsively to the text. A psalm of thanksgiving. This is it. This is, this is the psalmist's explanation of thanksgiving. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all your lands. Okay. Serve the Lord with gladness. You know that whole, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face thing? Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. Yep. Some people say, well, I don't know, pastor. Music doesn't move me that much. I'm, I'm not, you know, music's not my thing. You know, I just, I'm not moved by the music. That's fine. 
That's, we're all different. Understand, however, or, uh, no, no. I, I'm not going to talk about how people get, well, I don't like that kind of music. The good news today is that the music is not for you. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Woo. I felt a liberation just in that. Oh, Jesus. And it's not for your enjoyment. It's not for your pleasure. It's not about your skill level. I've heard some of you sing. I don't enjoy it either. But it is a sweet sound in the ears of the Lord when the song of the redeemed raises up and they hear them sing. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It doesn't matter if you sound like a couple of tomcats scratching it out behind the bar. Sing unto the Lord. Sing unto the Lord. Declare the goodness of God. Use your voice as an instrument of praise. And you say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't want my neighbor to hear me. The good news is this. The music, the song, it's not for your neighbor either. It's for God. Bring the sacrifice of praise. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He makes us to lie down beside the still waters. And he leads us in the green pastures. And he directs us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because he is with us. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be lifted up and exalted. He is worthy of our thanksgiving. Here it is, here it is. It's the liberating verse for the first church of the chosen frozen. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, right? Not come here because it's Sunday. Not come here because it's just exactly what you wanna do when you want, no enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise be thankful to him and bless his name for the lord is good his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations when i think about the lord how he saved me, how he raised me. <laughs> I wish I could remember the rest of it. How he filled me up, yes. Turn me around, yeah, I like that. Makes me wanna shout, hallelujah. And, and, and I, I, got, I got so much, I got my heart in that moment 
when I reflect on the goodness of God and what is it is so full I don't have time for the angst and the discontent I don't have time to to suffer that kind of loss because I'm being so filled because I have seized the opportunity of praising God and blessing his name and being thankful and having that thankfulness produce a contentedness in my life that results in a great gain now real quick and then we're going to close those of you that are here those of you that are watching online You won't find contentedness in a needle. You won't find it in a glass. You won't find it in a spoon. You won't find it in another individual. You won't find it in the abundance of things. You will only find true and lasting contentment when you surrender your everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you begin to pray, God, I know that I am a vile sinner and I know that I'm unworthy of the least of these, your blessings. But God, I come to you now and I fall on your mercy. God, I lean hard into your grace. And I ask your forgiveness now, God, to wash me and make me clean, oh God. Forgive me of my iniquity and remove them from me as far as the east is from the west. And Lord, from this day forward, I surrender my heart, my life to you and I purpose to walk in accordance to your command. And I give you the praise and I claim you as my king and my Lord. In Jesus' name. That's the only way. And you'll never be content until that has happened in your life. Not the word that I just spoke, but the transaction in your heart of surrender to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Contentedness begins with Jesus. And then reflecting on his goodness and his grace in our lives. Godliness is the beginning. It's the prerequisite. I can't be godly apart from Christ. I can't be godly apart from the power of the Holy Spirit at work in my life. But godliness with contentment is great gain. And I want to challenge you today, church, don't forfeit God's gain in your life count the cost count it fully count it effectively not just the sacrifice that you're going to have to make not just the discomfort of lifting your hands in a praise and worship service not the discomfort of somebody else hearing you sing not the discomfort of being challenged to get out of your comfort zone That's nothing. That will pale in comparison because the word says give and it'll be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together. You bring the sacrifice of praise, God is going to bring the abundance of blessing. Amen? Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us and we hope you have a blessed day.